Hello, my friends. I want to show you that video of a noisy blowhard accosting Christia Freeland, swearing at her a bit. I don't support him. I don't think he did the right thing. But does he really belong in prison? More to the point, could you really call what he did violence? And should we really do what the CDC says and arrest people who are, quote, bad? I'll show you what the left wing thinks. That's ahead. But first, I want to invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get 20 episodes per month of The Ezra Levant Show, 16 episodes of other shows. That's 36 shows a month. That's a lot of stuff. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, should police arrest people for swearing, for peacefully protesting outside a politician's house, for being a bad person? Well, the political class gives a unanimous yes to all that. It's August 31st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. A lot of terrible things are happening in Canada right now, economically, of course. If you want moral scandals, well, the Liberal Party was caught giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to a virulent, racist, a bigoted anti-Semite. And you're not even going to believe this for him to give anti-racism lectures. Just shocking. So much so that even liberal MPs could no longer hold their tongue. The Jews of the Liberal Party, there's not many of them left felt that they were not being heard, and they actually took to Twitter. Here's a tweet from Anthony Housefather saying he was just shocked by how his party condoned paying money to anti-Semites. Former MPs, here's one named Michael Levitt, saying he's so disappointed in this party. Why only uh, the Jews were speaking out and no one else? I thought it was very interesting that these very loyal liberals just were shocked by Trudeau. I'm no longer shocked by him. So there's a lot of stories regarding the government, but when that happens, look for the look for the government to try and switch the subject. If it's inflation or the, you know, cost of housing or taxes or carbon taxes or price of gas or a scandal, that's when the liberals tell us to look at something else to take the air out of the balloon of the story they don't want to hear. They want to change the channel. And here's the channel they changed to. This is a video filmed by someone going out on a stunt on his own. Now, I'm not going to just show you the the short uh, cell phone video. I'm going to show you about a two-minute clip from a TV station called CHCH. I want to show you their report. So in this report, you're going to see a lot of things. One of them is a guy recording himself heckling Christian Freeland. So this cell phone footage is not from Christian Freeland, not from a reporter. It's from the guy and his friend, who said, we're going to find Christia Freeland and yell at her. And then the CHCH TV station treats it as a news story. Take a look. The incident happened on Friday when Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland was visiting the City Hall in Grand Prairie, Alberta. A man called her name. Christia. Yes. What the f*** are you doing in Alberta? You f***ing traitor. Get the f*** out of this province. You don't belong here. He unloaded a verbal assault of insults, F-bombs, and worse. 
Freeland and her aides got away, the man was escorted out of the city hall, still shouting. On Twitter afterwards, Freeland said nobody anywhere should have to put up with threats and intimidation, although she said the harassment doesn't reflect the people of Alberta. In Ottawa, the Prime Minister was speaking out for her. Threats, violence, intimidation of any kind are always unacceptable, and this kind of cowardly behaviour threatens and undermines our democracy and our values of openness and respect upon which Canada was built. Trudeau was the victim of a stone-throwing attack during last year's election campaign. He says these behaviours are getting worse, particularly against women and minorities, and Canada's leaders have to take a stand. We have to ask ourselves what kind of country we are, what kind of country we want to be. St. Catherine City Councillor Carrie Porter saw violence firsthand last winter when someone threw a rock through the window of her home. Sometimes these things don't don't sink in until several days or several weeks later. Um, that's when it sort of starts to sink in. She says she's seen an increase in incivility, particularly against women, following Donald Trump's example in the U.S. and growing inequality. But people manipulate and use people's legitimate anger with the system to their own end. Political commentator Keith Leslie says the Alberta video shows no attempt to establish a dialogue by someone emboldened by online conspiracy theorists. Saddest of all, I thought, was how proud this guy was of himself when he got out to the parking lot. We showed her. You just showed the world what a bully you are and that, that, that you're just really, really angry. We're not even quite sure why, but you're calling the deputy prime minister you know, a traitor in her own city hall in, in Canada. What did she really do that makes her a traitor? Have you lost your freedoms? You seem to be free to be able to speak your mind to her. There's a lot in there. What the F are you doing in Alberta? You traitor, get out. Those are some very mean words. Um, the uh, journalist says there are F-bombs in there and worse don't know if there was much that was actually worse in there. I mean, uh, the word traitor, I suppose, is mean. Um, I think it is uh, accurate to say there was some intimidation. If there's a really big guy who's hollering, that can be intimidating for sure. But he didn't get close to uh, the deputy prime minister and go in the elevator with, with her. And in terms of threats, I don't doubt that it probably felt threatening. I mean, that's a subjective feeling. But he didn't say anything like, I'm going to get you, or I'm going to hit you, or I'm going to attack you. He just hollered, and then he was escorted out, and he went. Um, what's uh, interesting is how that, at the very least, it was at the very least, it was rude and belligerent and noisy and startling. But you'll notice how Trudeau added the word violence in there. He said there was violence there. But actually, there was no violence, was there? It was a threat to our democracy, he said. I'm not sure how it was. And our values of openness and respect. This is the same Justin Trudeau that has four censorship bills pending or proposed for the House of Commons, the same Trudeau that invoked martial law after the peaceful trucker protest, had a few too many bouncy castles and hot tubs. He's the one who sees bank accounts. The same Trudeau who asked, should we even tolerate 
people who are unvaccinated. Remember that clip that he said on French TV? Oui, on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, un, une petite, un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader, en tant que pays. Est-ce qu'on est-ce qu'on tolère? I think my favorite or least favorite part of the CHCH clip was when they immediately pivoted and said that Trudeau, he's not the perpetrator of anger or division in our country. He's the victim of it. And he said, what kind of country do we want to be? Uh, they then bring in another example from about a year ago about a local politician named Kerry Porter who claims that someone threw a rock at her house. She says that, and she had some camera footage of someone walking quickly by her house, but there was actually no rock throwing on the camera. Um, I guess we have to take her word for it. Sometimes when people are under uh, real threat, they call the police, but in, in this case, they, they called the TV station. There was no proof that the rock was thrown by that guy. Um, and, and I'm not saying that a rock wasn't thrown or by that guy. I'm just saying there wasn't proof of it. And it seemed like a bit of a TV stump, stunt by someone who was looking for sympathy. They may also have been the victim of a threat. Um, and I certainly don't want anyone to throw rocks. But you'll see how we quickly went from someone hollering to violence to they threw a rock through my home all in the same breath. Now, they then go to a um, an expert of some sort. I'm not quite sure who he is, Keith Leslie. Keith Leslie said that uh, there was a conspiracy theory behind this. I'm not sure what that is. I mean, not liking the Liberal Party or not liking Christian Freeland isn't really a conspiracy theory. It's just a matter of political taste. And it just so happens that about 68% of Canadians do not support the Liberals. Um, but there was one line in there that really hit close to home where this expert said, how could she be a traitor? How could she be a tyrant? Have you lost your freedoms yet? Well, it sounds like we're about to, doesn't it? Let me show you. I mean, this, this was a total wall-to-wall -wall media coverage, quite different from the case I mentioned earlier about the liberal government funding an anti-Semite to lead racism uh, conferences. Um, no CBC story has been done on that yet at all. If you go to the cbc.ca website and search for uh, the name Matouf, which is the, the racist in question, you won't find a single entry. But you'll find wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the hollering and swearing at Christian Freeland. And maybe there should be that kind of talking about it, but it was amazing how uniform the messaging was that we need to ban people from hollering. We need to ban people from offending the sensibilities of our political class. I should tell you right now, in case you're wondering, I agree that we should ban people from being violent or making threats of violence. I'm glad, therefore, that that's been in our criminal code for centuries. But here's the CBC and a young chap, I don't know who he is, I've, I've never seen him before, talking to Calgary's mayor about this. Um, and they're pretty much all in agreement as uh, as you would expect when the state broadcaster interviews a sympathetic part of the state. Take a look. 
one of the things that I struggle with is when it comes to harassment or it comes to um, certain types of um, things that happen that are not considered crimes necessarily, you have to demonstrate as a so-called victim that you found it to be intimidation or threatening or frightening and that um, you're fearful because of what has happened. And that's definitely rooted in the feelings and the emotion of the thing that's happened. What I prefer to see is um, things in legislation, things in the criminal code that say you simply cannot take these actions. So make the action identifiable. You cannot protest in front of a public uh, official's home rather than how did that person feel? So I'm a little concerned that we've leaned too heavily on the victim to carry the burden. And it does seem like online is a cesspool right now, right? I mean, I'm sure your Twitter feed is just littered with hate and nonsense. I know that mine is. Uh, do you think that there is something to be said for the federal government's plan to introduce some sort of online hate legislation? Perhaps you've mentioned physical threats, things that can materialize in person, but what about online? Is there something to be done digitally? I think we need to look at the whole environment. I think we need to look digitally. We need to be looking at what's happening in person. I think we need to ensure that we are actually recognizing verbal assault for what it is instead of minimizing it as you know free speech and the ability to say what you want to. Um, and this concept that once again, I go back to this idea of how did the victim feel? Well, there's a lot of standers by that heard a lot of these things. How do they feel? What do they think this is? So I think it's a combination of understanding that we've got to do a better job of rooting out organized hate groups and then putting in some sort of um, process by which to press charges. Okay, so we went from someone swearing and hollering, which isn't very nice, and I will grant you that that may have felt intimidating, even though there was no verbal threat and the man stopped uh, when he was about 10 or 15 feet away from Christopher Freeland and then walked out. But the mayor said that there should be a ban on protests at politicians' houses. Now, by the way, no one is allowed on your property, whether you're a politician or not. But are we saying that there is now a bubble zone, not in front of your house or my house, not in front of any business, but politicians are now a protected class that you can't be on the public sidewalk, you can't be on the street, you are not allowed to talk about a politician near them. I don't recommend going to a politician's house, mainly because their family are there and don't bring their family into it. But if you are on the public sidewalk and you are not doing anything unlawful, this politician is saying you should not be allowed to have your freedom of speech rights near my house. And politicians would be the only people with this right. Seems like the authoritarianism is just looking for an excuse. This heckler, by the way, in, uh, in Alberta, was not in anyone's house. He was in the city hall. Uh, the CBC guy said that maybe it's time for censorship. And did you hear that? He said he, he was sick of the hate and nonsense. So we're going to censor hate, which is a human emotion, a feeling. I mean, uh, the liberals hate us. Trudeau hates unvaccinated people. We, we know that. I guess that's the good kind of hate. But people who hate them are going to be banned. And anything that's nonsense, the CBC guy wants to ban nonsense. And did you hear that word that the mayor said again? Verbal assault, 
by hate groups. I don't know what verbal assault is. I mean, I know what an assault is. I know what hitting someone is or attacking them. Verbal assault, I, I suppose, just means lots of mean words. Again, I'm not talking about uttering threats. If someone's actually saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to beat you up, that's actually an uttering a threat or even uttering a death threat on the criminal code, and I support that part of the criminal code. But I don't know what a verbal assault is. Calling someone, using the F-bomb, or calling someone a traitor, and I don't think we should casually throw around the word traitor because we don't want to criminalize a difference of political opinion. But that's not actually violence. That's not actually assault. But did you hear that? Hate groups. It's the hate groups. We have to go after the hate groups. What hate group? This was just some guy. You know who they mean when they say they're against hate groups, right? You know they mean anyone they're against. You know they mean anyone who's against them. You know they mean the Conservative Party of Canada, right? The People's Party of Canada. They're willing to call entire swaths of the population hate groups simply because they disagree with them. These ideas are coming from the United States as much as anywhere. Look at this press secretary. This is a press secretary for Joe Biden. Today, call, talking about MAGA Republicans as a danger to democracy. MAGA Republicans, that's anyone who voted for Trump, that was what, 70, 80 million people, whatever number you believe. They won the election in 2016. They were close, if you believe it, in 2020. There's some dispute over the elections, but even if you take the most pessimistic case, you're calling 70 million plus Americans hateful dangers to the country. Listen to the press secretary of Joe Biden call half of Americans enemies. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, the president has been clear as he can be on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees it is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. Uh, they just don't respect the rule of law. You've heard that from uh, the president. Uh, and. Um, you know, they are pursuing an agenda uh, that takes away people's rights. So, which is what the president said last week on Thursday. You all heard him. This is what the president said yesterday, and that's what he's going to continue to say. And here's the thing. The president's not going to shy away uh, to call out uh, what he clearly sees is happening in this country. And, um, you know, again, MAGA Republicans are this extreme part of their party, and that is just facts, and that's what he's going to continue to lay out. Yeah. And did you hear how that mayor of Calgary ended? She says that charges should be pressed. Okay, for, for what? For being rude? You can be rude in Canada. <laughs> you know, why are people mad? Why was that one guy mad? I don't know why he was mad. By the way, that same one guy uh, harassed and insulted Pierre Polyev and had to be pulled away from Pierre Polyev. So he wasn't a conservative operative. I think he's just a generally irascible man. And who knows, maybe he has a screw loose. Uh, I can come up with some reasons why people are agitated. They've been treated as criminals in their own country. They've been banned from public squares. They've been told they can't even visit with friends and family, told they can't have weddings, told they can't go to funerals, told they can't go to work, told they will be fired if they don't take a jab. I can think of some reasons why people are agitated, none of which have to do with the virus, by the way. Justin Trudeau takes no blame for this, though. 
He says that climate change is the reason why people are so mad. Did you see this clip? Um, I'm just wondering, what do you think is behind the rise in threats that politicians are facing? We've been through a lot as a, as a country, as a world over these past years. Obviously, the pandemic, uh, increasing anxiety because of climate change, uh, transformations of our economy, um, rise in, um, in mental health and addiction problems, particularly with the opioid uh, crisis that has been uh, ravaging communities right across the country. Um, it's a lot of pressure on a lot of people. And unfortunately, um, there, is, uh, there are no easy solutions for all these challenges we're facing. Um, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take people uh, listening to each other. It's going to take uh, orders of government stepping up and uh, delivering uh, for people. And it's a time for responsible leadership. It's time for people to uh, look to assuage fears and angers, uh, to respond with a positive vision of the future. Um, but people are hurting. People are hurting because of all these things we're going through. And we need to make sure that the messages that we put forward as a country, and not just political leaders, but community leaders, uh, institutions, are focused on supporting each other. Canada made it through this pandemic better than most places in the world because Canadians do a really good job of being there for each other. And uh, we have to continue doing that work of building strong communities, of listening to each other and supporting each other uh, as we move forward. And that's, uh, that's something that really, really matters. So each of us in positions of authority or power need to make sure uh, that we are uh, not inciting or encouraging uh, anger or frustrations, uh, but actually putting forward concrete, real solutions that are going to bring people along and allow them to see themselves in the future that uh, the world is creating. Yeah, climate change is why people are mad. I want to show you a little bit more from CBC, just 20 seconds or so. It's organized hate, and I think that's what makes it so difficult because it's hard to stamp it out, isn't it? I mean, we talked about legislation. Maybe there's room for more police action. Do you think, though, that we're at the sad point where whatever we do might not really work? Like, are we prepared for that as a country? Like, is there really anything we can do that will stop people from just being bad people? It's organized hate? Actually, it looks like a guy by himself. But did you see how it ended there? We should ban being a bad person. Being a bad person? What does that mean? I know what breaking the criminal code means. But being a bad person is the most subjective opinion in the world. But the CBC and left-wing politicians are in total agreement. Being a bad person should be banned. And luckily, they get to define who the bad people are. All of this because someone dared to swear at a politician. They weren't protesting in the right tone of voice. It's just like truckers were thrown in prison for 50 days because there was a little bit too much horn honking. I'm so embarrassed. My own MP here in uh, Ontario, Yara Sachs, she said that horn honking is actually Nazi code because honk honk starts with the letter H. So does Heil Hitler. Remember when she said that? How many guns need to be seized? How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk 
which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media? Yeah, so that, Yara Sachs, she'll find anti-Semitism in honk honk, but not in her own government spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on an actual anti-Semite. I suppose another way to describe uh, horn honking is beep beep, but uh, that didn't work out. Hey, I want to show you some real violence against politicians in Canada. Here's Maxime Bernier getting an egg cracked on his head. Did you see this one before? That's real violence. I didn't hear national uh, calls to arrest people over that. Speaking of arrest, Maxime Bernier himself was arrested uh, because he was going to Manitoba to have a peaceful political meeting. Remember that? Afternoon, sir. Yes, Michael yes. Clark with the RCMP. Yeah. I can get you step out of the vehicle. I'm gonna place you under arrest right now. Yeah. Right now, you're under arrest under the uh, provincial health orders. Okay. So if you can just put your hands behind your back, face towards the vehicle. Okay. Put, give me one hand here. I'll get you to stay in the vehicle. Okay. Thank yep. You. The other hand. Do you have any weapons or anything on you, sir? Weapon? No, no weapon. Only, anything on you only that's my hurt words. Me or anything. anything like that? Sorry? Anything on you that's going to hurt me or anything like that? No, no, anything will hurt you. Only my words. Only my philosophy. Only what I believe in. Okay. All right, come on over this way. I'll explain a few things to you here right away. Now, there's a lot of swearing in Canada these days. Um, and I'm not sure if it's good, but I think swearing can sometimes let people vent. Have you ever seen those F-U-C-K Trudeau flags? They're actually everywhere. I mean, I don't know who's selling them, but they must have sold 100,000. I, I don't think I would fly one, but I wouldn't tell someone they couldn't. I mean, venting is an important way to express. If you're not allowed to vent, if you're not allowed to swear, you keep it all bottled up. I happen to note that in places where you're not allowed to express yourself, well, people find violence is the way to express themselves. This isn't new. There was a lot of F-U-C-K Harper talk under Stephen Harper too. But I'm not just talking about mean words. I'm talk, talking about actual violence, actual violence. Like, for example, Justin Trudeau's personal bodyguards beating up David Menzies just a few months ago. Remember this? What are you doing? Get, get off me. Hey, I can. Hey, this is assault. I'm on a side. What is this? I'm on a sidewalk. What is this? You cannot touch me. No rushing order. Hey. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I told you. What is this? You can't. Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? I'm talking about real violence against women, like Trudeau's riot cops shooting a riot gun at Alexa Lavoie. Remember this? I'm talking about an NDP activist literally hitting Sheila Gunn-Reed 
at a women's march right outside Rachel Notley's office in Alberta. Remember this? Heads in the back. Okay, so wouldn't you say that it would be feminine? No, 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 I'm just asking you a question. Do I seem unreasonable to you? Because I seem really pleasant. I think, am I coming across as pleasant right now? We're just trying to have a conversation here. I'm having, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Go away. Get out of my face. I will break your camera. You do not have the right to. I'm talking about Trudeau's bodyguards grabbing Drea Humphrey and manhandling her because she was asking questions Trudeau didn't want to hear. Remember this? You talked about Canada's last wrongs, the past things they haven't done right. When will you speak out about the 20 vandalized churches? They're burning churches and vandalizing them, and you're not calling it a hate crime. Remember when Trudeau frog-marched Key and Bexty, our alumnus, off of the Ottawa grounds of the Prime Minister's home simply because Trudeau disagreed with him? Remember that? Camera right now. Sorry? I'm going to ask you to review your pictures right now. You want to review my pictures? If you don't show me, I'm going to ask you to escort you out. I'm not showing you my pictures, man. Okay. This isn't Hong Kong. Okay, let's go. You're not, you're not welcome this site. I'm actually... You I can't, am. You Stars let me in. No, I'm telling you, being in charge of this site, you're not welcome. Okay? I'm going to ask you to leave while we'll be escorting out. I'm, yeah, I, I don't have an intention to leave. I want to ask you have a car here? questions. Sorry, what? Do you, have a, uh, yeah. Do you have a car here or did you walk in? I walked in. Okay, let's go. Are you going to arrest me? I'm going to escort you out. So he's not arresting me. Okay, let's go. Don't touch me. I will. This is Ottawa, Canada, 2020, when Justin Trudeau is having his RCMP throw out a journalist for no reason, because I wouldn't show him my phone. Remember when Antifa has attacked our people too, time, too many times to mention? Here's an example in Peterborough. Remember this? There is real violence in Canada. I haven't seen any real violence against any liberal politicians or NDP politicians, or for that matter, against any conservative politicians. Have you? I haven't seen any real violence against any journalists other than rebel news journalists. Have you? Can you name me a single incident where there was violence against a journalist in Canada? And I'm not talking about people heckling journalists. Journalists certainly heckle us. And I'm not even talking about police violence. Take a look at this when we were simply covering protests, peaceful protests in Toronto, Montreal. Take a look at this. I'm not in a crowd. I'm not in a crowd of 20 though. Okay, walk. My colleague is, my call, my colleague is detained. I have to stay. I'm on public property. No, man, put your mask on. I'm not in a group of 20 though. I'm not in a group of 20, what? Keep walking. You want to take care of now? That's fine. Okay, we go. Keep walking. Tickets fine. Stay on the sidewalk. Let's go. I don't remember you. Sir, 
This is why we're documenting what's happening here, guys. I know, I know, Yankee. So why are we getting such a tough time? We've been through this so many times with you guys. Why is he being They just told us you were in the protest. You're gonna come with us. We'll understand now. Why is he being arrested? He's on top of the documenting the protesters. Why did you arrest the two members of the media? They, they're not violent people. Isn't it funny? Because Christia Freeland's virgin ears had to hear the F word or had to hear being called traitor. We're now calling for a national lockup of anyone who dares offend a politician. But our people are beat up, harassed, even thrown in jail, shot in the leg, and no one cares. It's not about violence. It's about the liberals on the left wing using that as an excuse to lock us up. Here's Marco Mendocino, the same public safety minister who put the country under martial law for Justin Trudeau. Here he is quoted in Blacklocks. He says, I assure you that Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez and others within our government are leaning in on this and will be bringing forward the legislation as quickly as possible. He set no deadline. Cabinet went further in a July 29, 2021 technical paper and discussion paper that proposed to appoint a chief censor called the Digital Safety Commissioner with powers to take anonymous complaints on hurtful Facebook posts, conduct closed-door hearings, and issue takedown orders to block websites. I know that Minister Rodriguez is very eager to bring forward this legislation they want you in prison, not because you've attacked them, not because you've threatened to attack them, not because you're violent, but the opposite, because they are, because they're the ones who can't stand you expressing yourself peacefully. That's the reason they shot Alexa and beat up David. And that's the reason they're trying to weaponize this blowhard, who I do not support. They're trying to use him as an excuse to put you in jail. Stay with us for more. You have made national headlines after expressing concerns about a trans male in the locker room. Tell us about that. Um, well, as I said, I'm a regular swimmer and um, I finished my swim and went to the take a shower and um, I heard a man's voice and I looked to one side where there are two toilet stalls with doors on them. A man was standing there in a woman's bathing suit and he was watching little girls take their suits down in order to use the toilet. And I said to him, do you have a penis? And he said, that's none of your business. And I said, you need to get out of here right now. A Y staffer came from maybe the staff room around in, in her red t-shirt and I said, get that man out of here. And she said, without skipping a beat, that's discrimination. You're out of the pool forever and I've caught the cops. Yes, I'm a reporter. Hi, great. We have a. Uh, How are you guys doing? That I can direct you to. Is she here? I will direct you to this and then 
you can reach out to her with any questions that you have. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, but I'm afraid we're not taking interviews in person at this time. You're not? Yes. I'm How do you feel to... about the issue? I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. Thank you and have a great day. You too. Well, that is an excerpt from a powerful video by one of our newest rebels based in Seattle, Washington, Katie Davis Corp. An incredible story. Imagine that. A transgender staffer in the changing room watching little girls take off their bathing suits to go to the bathroom. And the chutzpah of saying that that grandma uh, was the one violating privacy. Outrageous. Joining me now via Skype from the side of the highway is our friend Katie Davis Court, who pulled over to do this interview. Katie, I am so mad. I am so grateful to that grandma for standing up for those kids. There was no parent there. Those were, it sounds like they were very young girls too, like children of tender years. I'm not talking, I mean, it wouldn't be good for any age. Teenagers would be even more shy, I think. But imagine having a grown man in there watching young girls undress. That is super gross. Right. It's truly a remarkable story. And what I find even more uh, frustrating and what needs to be brought to issue is instead of them listening to Julie's concerns, they immediately banned her from the YMCA swimming pool for hate and discrimination instead of listening to her concerns about a male, a biological male, watching girls. They were under the age of 10, undressed to use the restroom. And it just, where are we at? this day and age, it raises a lot of concerns about the future. They have no basis for saying she's full of hate. And uh, discrimination means choosing. There is a difference between boys and girls, men and women. And that's why we have men and women's bathrooms. And the idea that men can be in women's bathrooms and watch young children disrobe is, is so alien to to our well, to the privacy of the girls, to the privacy of those young girls, they were the ones discriminated against. They lost their privacy and, frankly, their security of the person, as they say. You know, your petition is called "Let Her Swim." Is that what it's called? "Let Her Swim." Yes. And I think that's right. Uh, Julie Germain should be let into swim, but that's just the smallest part of this. The biggest part is this insane violation of the privacy of girls and women. I mean, yeah, I want Julie Germain in there to, to swim again. Let the let her swim. Don't kick her out. But, but even if she was allowed back in, oh my God, it sounds like they are standing by this transgender person having full access when there are children of tender years in there. Right. You're absolutely correct. And so after the incident, they ended up holding a women's rights group, ended up showing support for Julie, holding a rally in the city of Port Townsend. And they ended up being mobbed by radical left-wing activists, which emerged a new scandal was revealed. A The Port Townsend mayor, his name is David Faber, he took to Twitter and expressed support for the grown men that attacked elderly women at this rally because he was advocating alongside the transgender individuals and deemed this group a hateful group when they just want rights to their own bodies in a very intimate place of changing in the woman's restroom. They don't want men seeing them. And it opens up a bigger, a greater issue into what we see with 
uh, trans people being let into prisons. There has been many reports that in the prisons, people have the men, biological men, are just saying that they're women to get into the prisons with the women and then they are raping the women and it just it brings a greater issue into when you allow transgender people into a locker room that doesn't have signage on the door that was julie's main concern there's no signage on the door that said gender neutral changing room mm -hmm. and anyone this day could say oh i identify as a trans male and bring in perverts perverts to the locker room i'm not saying this trans woman is a pervert from the ymca we don't know that fact but if what julie says they were watching the young girls change yeah. it's an issue yeah you know, just last weekend, the Democracy Fund had a panel called Protecting Women's Spaces in the Age of Transgenderism. One of the panelists, Heather Mason, was a female prisoner in Canada, and she made an incredible comment. She said that um, if you're a convicted rapist or a convicted child molester, you're at risk in the male prison. The other prisoners might kill you. Other prisoners sometimes kill or beat up child molesters. There's a, even a kind of honor amongst the criminals. So if you're a child molester in prison in Canada or the, anywhere and you simply identify as a woman, you can be transferred to a women's prison in Canada. You don't right. have to go through surgery. You don't have to have, take any hormones. You just have to literally say, man, I feel like a woman. And they'll put you in a women's prison for two reasons. First of all, a woman's prison is nicer compared to a men's prison. Second of all, right. you're not going to be killed by the other prisoners. And third of all, and Heather Mason says that 50% of the trans prisoners in women's prison are these rapists and child molesters because right. they would be hurt in the men's prison. And so now they have access. They're basically put in a cage with vulnerable women. And she says there are rapes, there are pregnancies, there's violence. And if these female prisoners speak out, it goes on their record and it's held against them at parole time because it shows they were ungovernable. So what you just outlined is happening. I know it's happening in Canada. I'm sure it's happening in the U.S. too. So what's the latest? I mean, I saw you go back in to the swimming pool, and it looks like it's a very activist swimming pool. Uh, it looks like they've got their pride flags and very militant. It's not just a place to swim. It looks like it's an ideological place. What's the latest? I mean, you said there was a a protest and a counter-protest, how's this story going to end? Right. So Julie is determined to keep fighting for women's rights. And she's a she's been going to the YMCA for 30 years. So everyone that has been banning her from the swimming pool, they she's been going there longer than they have been alive. These workers look like they're under 20. And the trans staffer is, I believe, 18. Hmm. So... They have actually launched a campaign attack against Julie. And after she spoke out, she picketed with a sign that said there's biological men in the women's restroom. And the staff, the YMCA, which YMCA stands for Young Men's Christians Association. They uh, flooded the lobby with pride flags and got all the support for this trans staffer. Didn't acknowledge any of the issues that Julie expressed. And so when I went in there, I wanted to get their side of the story because that's what you need to be a journalist, both sides. They wouldn't let me in. 
And then after I went there with Julie, they had sent Julie an email, an official email banning her from from the YMCA, but also said that if she steps foot on property, they will call the police. But this weekend, groups are forming in support of Julie. They're going to be going back down to Port Townsend. They are self-proclaimed patriots. I'm not sure what to expect out of it. This is not a rally put on by Julie, but they are there to stand up against men invading women's privacy. So this is a story that's going to last. And it's got a national attention, worldwide attention now. So we have done a great job at raising awareness for what's yeah. happening here in Port Townsend. Well, the website is letherswim.com, which is part of it. Of course, I'm much more concerned about those kids. And, you know, my, my view on transgenderism is that I believe that the, the law and the rules should be a shield, not a sword, to protect people from being picked on. I agree with that. Not a sword to force your way into a change room and stare at children of tender years going to the bathroom. That's the creepy part. And tr transgenderism, the political ideology, is about using it as a sword to attack others, to change the world rather than to protect yourself and, and your privacy. I'm all for the privacy and dignity of, of someone who is confused or feels like they're a different... I mean, that's fine. That's none of my business in a way. But they're forcing other people to be part of, of their drama. Um, I can only imagine, I mean, and without without warning and without their parents there, that is terrifying. Do we know anything more about those kids? Do we do we know who their parents were or who the kids were? Do we hear any more from them? Right. I've tried to investigate. Some of their Port Townsend, you know, social media activists have written back saying that, oh, no, the parents are in support of the trans staffer, but you can't verify that. So mm -hmm. they haven't been publicly speaking out. I don't know if it's because it's a minor eight, they're minor kids or, and they don't want that to be exposed. But mm -hmm. if I was a parent, I would be all over this issue. I feel like most normal parents mm -hmm. would be, especially with the allegations brought forth. Mm -hmm. But then again, Port Townsend is very left wing. So mm -hmm. you don't know what's mm -hmm. going on. You don't know who these kids are and you don't know who their parents are. So yeah. That's the latest on the kids. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're doing this story. It's very hard to cover this story because there really is more censorship on this issue than just about anything out there. It's incredible. This video of us talking here can never go on YouTube. It would be immediately slapped down or Facebook or Instagram. They would delete it as being a violation of their terms of service. These are difficult days where you can't call these things out. I'm glad you're doing the story. I'm glad you interviewed Julie. And um, for the folks who are interested, go to letherswim.com to see more. Katie, thanks very much for the update. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, great to see you. There you have it, Katie Davis Court, our newest rebel outside of Seattle, Washington. Stay with us. Your letters are next. Hey, welcome back. Your letters. Steve Long says... She should be a mentor for all young women and men looking for the strength to speak the truth. I have a lot of respect for people like Leslyn Lewis. Yeah, I like Leslyn Lewis. It was good to talk to her again. You know what, though, that Nuremberg Code, I really didn't know much about that until the pandemic started. It's incredible what the Nazis did through doctors, and doctors provided the rationale. You put a white lab coat on someone and, and call them doctor, people will do just about anything he says. 
Kelly Abrams said, just watched her interview video with Jordan Peterson. I was blown away by her. Such an intelligent, well-rounded person. She will make an amazing prime minister. I presume you're talking about Leslie Lewis again. I'm glad she's running. I don't think she's going to win, but I certainly hope that if, as I expect, Pierre Polyev becomes prime minister, that Leslie Lewis is in cabinet. Randall F. Burgess talks about my story about the crickets and says eating bugs or crickets or mealworms is not even advised by the National Institutes of Health, which did a study as they are unhealthy for human consumption due to the high levels of parasites that then infect humans from the ingestion of insects. You know, I got to tell you, yesterday recording that monologue, I was literally gagging. I had to stop the recording several times and redo it. I was so embarrassed. I, I was maybe a little bit nauseous anyways, but just talking about eating bugs. There is a reason why we gag when we see bugs. What's that reason? I, I think if you, if you believe in God or if you believe in um, evolution and Darwin, whatever you believe in, You've got to notice that our gag reflex when we see rotting food or maggots or bugs aligns with our health interests, aligns with our natural interests. Why do we find delicious foods smell great and look great? And why do we think unhealthy things like maggot or rotting food, why do we think the smell of um, curdled milk or rotten eggs is so offensive? There's nothing inherent in the chemistry of those smells that makes them bad other than our bodies think so. I think that is 10,000 generations of don't eat that, don't eat that, uh, natural selection. If you eat the rotting meat, if you eat the bugs, you will be sick and die. So your body, why does your body throw up when you have things, in, why, and you have too much alcohol? Why does your body throw it up? Because it's trying to expel the poison. There is a reason we are nauseous and gag. When we see bugs, they're not meant to be eaten. Oh, I'm getting sick again just talking about it. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And don't eat the bugs. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Markham, Ontario. And folks, have you heard the news? First of all, the World Economic Forum, they told us to chow down on bugs. Insects are becoming a trend. The Western diet has to kind of shift and change. And most importantly, it's natural, it's normal, and it's the way that we have to feed the future. And now they're saying in order to save the planet or prevent the climate catastrophe or to appease uh, Greta Thunberg, who knows, they want us to give up our cars. Can you imagine that? I mean, isn't the car the most famous freedom machine out there? I mean, they sing songs about cars. There's movies about cars, books about cars, magazines about cars. It's not just an appliance like a washing machine or a dryer or a toaster. It is, as I said, a freedom machine. Put another way, folks, nobody ever wrote songs about solar panels and wind turbines. In any event, the car club, the Thornhill Cruisers, they're gathering behind me. And uh, I just thought, Surely they must love their wheels. I wonder what they think about Klaus Schwab telling them to hand their cars over to the repo man. Let's check it out. The World Economic Forum, headed up by Klaus Schwab, they want people to give up their cars. What, yeah. what do you make of that, sir? It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, why would I give up my car? Indeed. Eventually they're going to go electric and we won't have any pollution anymore. 
Well, yeah, that's assuming the grid can handle uh, hundreds of millions of electric cars at the same time, I it guess. It take 20 years, Toyota said, to uh, build the infrastructure for North America. Hmm. Okay, then. 20 years. So, well, you know, but this is, I mean, this is a design masterpiece. And one thing, sir, I, I look at the car. I mean, at the end of the day, you could say it's just an appliance like a washing machine or a dishwasher. But it, it really isn't. I mean, Prince sang a song about this car. Our little red Corvette, it's part of our culture. Yeah, the idea that we have to give up these beautiful wheels. It, like, why do you think they're asking us to do that, sir? Well, are they asking us to get rid of classic cars or all cars? <laughs> if it's classic cars, I get, cars? I'm lucky to get this out once or twice oh, a week. That same uh, as all those guys that were asked to give up their guns. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you the owner of this Charger? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. now to appease Claus Schwab or Greta Thunberg, would would you ever part ways with this beautiful car? No, oh, that's my mistress. I, I would never <laughs> give her up. <laughs> Are you going to give up this beauty anytime soon? No, not for that, not for sure. <laughs> or my other car, my other two cars either. I got a hot rod, and then I got an antique 1940 Chevy business coupe antique. Wow. And a third 1936 Ford uh, street rod. Wow, so you're, you're not enthused with the idea of walking or taking public transit? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. See even a, a chance to, to, um, uh, to accelerate, uh, let's say, our uh, uh, transition into a green economy. Because um, people probably recognize that we have to become more resilient. We have now the experience of one crisis, the environmental crisis, the climate crisis could be a much bigger one. Are you ready to give away this beautiful Fairlane 500 XL anytime soon? Not at my age, no. <laughs> no, not a, not a hope. Do, do you find it hypocritical because the same people who say to us to give up our cars they're getting around in chauffeur-driven limousines. They're flying in private jets. I don't. I've never seen them eat cricket sandwiches. So what's going on here? Why is there two separate rules? Uh, I don't know whether what it is that way. You know. Okay then. I wouldn't be eating crickets. That's for sure. So, no. Again, it's. Uh, I think everybody is used to having what their father did for his whole lifetime. You expect to be able to do that for yourself for your whole lifetime. And now things are changing five or six times through your lifetime and you're supposed to adapt to it all. We're facing big global challenges. People don't believe that they can make a change, but you really, really can because you making a change is the only change you can really make. When it times is by nine billion people, it makes a fundamental difference the way that we live in this planet. Why are they telling the rest of us to give up our automobiles. He gets around in a chauffeur-driven limousine. He takes private jets. Well, There's a bunch of hypocrites, most of them folks. Yeah. I mean, they're all jet-setting around the, the world, you know. Look at that. What was his name that, that uh, uh, was all talking about global warming a few years back there? David Suzuki, Al Gore? Uh, yeah, Al Gore. Okay, Al Gore. Yes. And he, he was on a big jet plane all the time, flying all over the place. <laughs> and he, every time that thing takes off, it, it takes way more puts out way more pollution than any of these cars do. These don't pollute okay. anymore. Not these, but yes. the new cars, they don't pollute anymore. 100%. They don't pollute anything. Well, you never know who you're going to meet at a classic car meet. I just bumped into Roy. He is a Green Party member. He ran in the riding of Markham Stouffville a few years back. And um, 
you know, I got to tell you, you're, um, I'm pleasantly surprised. You like these cars as much as me, it would seem, and yet you're part of the, the green movement. What's your take, sir, on the World Economic Forum telling people they should give up their cars to save the planet? When I look at these classic cars, I see people who put their time, their love, their passion into it. And when you look at the carbon footprint of this car, sure, it's a gas-guzzling V8, 440 cubic inches. But the carbon footprint on this car, because it's only taken out on beautiful days, you know, he might put on, I think the average is four or 500 miles a year. His carbon footprint is literally less than the outfit I'm wearing right now. Mm. So he doesn't, uh, he sh should not feel guilty. He should feel happy about bringing out his car and showing us. And we spoke briefly off camera. I mean, there is a flip side to the EV revolution going on. Uh, the California Energy Authorities are saying, we are not going to be able to power uh, tens of millions of Californians driving EV cars. There's only one nuke plant there. There's already brownouts and blackouts in California as is. So um, is this maybe a piece of the puzzle that some haven't figured out, sir, in terms of rushing to the EV uh, way of driving? Yes, well, we're not going to rush into it. We're not going to, everybody's not going to run out and buy a new EV car this year. It's going to go in in stages, just like when we went from horses to cars. At first, people were going, where are we going to get the gas? But right now, people are saying, where are we going to get the electricity? Right now, we've got a nuclear plant that's sitting there, and at night, it's got all this electricity nobody can use. We can charge up our cars at night when we don't need the electricity, and then during the day drive them while they're heating our homes or uh, heating our air conditionings. Where does it end? You give up your car hobby so you can save the planet. Okay, so how many plastic model kits have you ever had in your life? Oh yeah. yeah. And they're made out of petroleum products. Sir, don't give them any ideas. But that's what it leads to. One thing leads to the next thing, and before you know it, nobody has any hobbies, but they allow you to drink like hell. <laughs> that's true. And you know what, that's a beautiful dog. Is that your dog, sir? Yeah. How soon is it going to be, and I think people have already made this argument, that we need to relinquish our pets. That is a toll on the environment, too. They eat meat. Um, would you be uh, giving up this little guy anytime soon? Oh, probably. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. No members of the Thornhill Cruisers, uh, not surprisingly, of course, are on board with the World Economic Forum uh, saying to get rid of these beautiful cars from yesteryear or from the present year, for that matter. I mean, even we bumped into that Green Party member and he's not on board with that. So hope abounds. As for Klaus Schwab, you want us to eat insects, you want us to give up our cars, you're probably going to tell us to give up our pets. The right response is to collaborate and to coordinate internationally so we can address the global challenges posed by climate change and COVID-19 and also continue to use trade as a force for good. But don't come here uh, to the Thornhill Cruisers meet close because if you do, <laughs> you'll be cruising for a bruising. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies.